questions before we begin? So on Gita chapter 5, Yoga of Renunciation of Action, topic 3, then we're going to try and cover verses 14 to 16. State of Supreme Being. And this follows on from the last topic where we discussed uh, um, where a jnani which is that state of self-realization. And we covered what is that state in the last class. And it continues here with a description of a self-realized person. Before we begin, there are two types of people, or two types of groups, two groups of people on the spiritual path, an extrovert and an introvert. We covered this previously. An extrovert is a non-thinker. For them, spiritual practice equals pilgrimages, bhajans, pujas. For them, this is their spiritual path. That fulfills them. Then there's an introvert, a thinker. They need more than that. Their spiritual practice involves discourses, Gaining knowledge, study, reflection, which is what we're doing. We're not saying one path is better than the other or anything like that. We're not just evaluating. We're just saying there's two groups of people. And in both cases, you need some bhakti yoga as well, devotion. What is bhakti yoga in the simplest form? What is bhakti yoga? What is bhakti yoga? Any idea? Karma, bhakti, jnana. We're doing knowledge. How would you classify bhakti itself? Bhakti, would you say more devotional? Devotional. In specific, yeah, you're right. It is devotion. To what? Devotion. The heart feels what the intellect understands. Perfect. So when you're getting gaining knowledge, when you're gaining knowledge, the heart feels what the intellect is receiving, the knowledge of the higher, knowledge of Brahman. And the heart feels devotion to that. Awareness of Brahman, awareness of the higher, awareness of God, sense of gratitude to that higher. So that is devotion for an introvert. For an extrovert, devotion, while they're doing the puja, the bhajans, they, the heart feels more. 
the introvert when they gain knowledge there's that devotion to that higher any questions hmm. so can one not be both you, are you either just an introvert or an extrovert one can be both yeah one can be both not a problem you can have that trait of being both introvert and extrovert. We're just specifying what the differences are. See, for an extrovert who's doing all the pujas, bhajan, etc., um, this sort of knowledge, it would be difficult for them to understand. It may be more simpler forms of knowledge, basics, but they're not thinkers. So it becomes more difficult. They're more devotional, mind-led than intellectual. Okay, let's start today's class. So verse 13, which is the first verse of this topic, we said this topic describes the state of the Supreme Being, Brahman. A description of a jnani, a person who has reached the state of self-realization. And we said, even though he has reached this state, he's still acting in the world. He has that residual vasanas, which he has to exhaust. He's still, he's still acting. But he has renounced everything mentally. He has renounced actions mentally. He's not interested in anything in the world. Totally withdrawn from the world. He'll do whatever he needs to do. Even though he acts in the world through his physical body, he remains a witness, a disinterested interest to all that happens around him. And we said a self-realized person has a sense of self-control. He does not indulge in emotions, thoughts in the body, mind and intellect. He doesn't indulge in any of those. Withdrawn from them. You can say he's totally detached from the world. Self-realized person knows he's not the waker. He's reached the fourth state of consciousness, one with the self. He is the self. And because they have no worldly desires, they've exhausted their vasanas, is puripurna, completely contented. And that's why when we read about such souls, they seem very different from us. We can't identify, understand, how is this person like? Why doesn't Ramana Maharishi talk? We can't understand it. Not that he, can, he, can, not that he can't talk, he can talk. But we can't understand it. Why doesn't he talk? They're different from us. Any questions? So we'll continue now with verse 14. Nakatritvam nakaramani lokasyasrajati prabhu nakarma palasam yogam svabhavastu pravartate nakritvam nakarmani lokasyasrajati prabhu nakarma palasam yogam 
Svabhavastu pravartate. The Lord creates neither doership, nor actions, nor the union with fruit of action or the world, but nature manifests itself. The Lord creates neither doership, nor actions, nor the union with fruit of action for the world, but nature manifests itself. The Prabhu, that's quoted here, the Lord, Prabhu, refers to the self. It's just another word for the self, Prabhu. Prabhu, we can say Prabhu. Means Brahman, means self. Arunabhan, this paragraph one, please. Uh, Vanita will read. Yeah, Vanita? Yeah, I thought she's joined, so it'd be nice to give her a chance. Okay, no problem. The Lord Prabhu refers to the Supreme Self, Atman. The Self within is the primeval source of all actions, of all beings. Without it, not Without it, no activity of any sort can occur. Nevertheless, the self is neither the actor nor the action, nor, it is, nor is it responsible for the fruit of action. In its presence alone, everything happens, but it remains a silent witness, a sakshi, to the multifold activities in the world. Thank you. So what's, it's, it's describing the role of the self, Brahman. It's saying the self, Atman, is the source, the enlivening principle in all beings. We've covered this many times. Meaning none of us would be here without Atman, the self, the spirit within us. That spark. No, none of us would be here. No action can take place without Atman. Does that, is that clear? No action can take place without Atman. You cannot be here listening to me on your laptop without the Atman. But Atman has nothing to do with what you're doing. It has nothing to do with the actor. You're the actor. Nothing to do with us, that what we do in the way we act. Neither is it responsible for the result of the action. What does that mean? Anybody can explain simple terms? What does that mean? What is the role of Atman in us all? I'm pausing to, for us everyone to think, what is this role of the self within us? Who can explain the role of the self in us all? Yeah, Shilamin. Uh, as we always describe the energy and the electri electricity, that's the, the main source. Very good. Well, it doesn't matter what the electricity, whatever you plug into the, whatever you plug into it has its own character. If it breaks down, it's not electricity's fault. 
Thank you, Shilavan. Well done. Atman has nothing to do with the actor, whatever we do. Atman is the same in all of us, but it remains neutral. Electricity remains neutral. Atman remains neutral. It remains a sakshi, a witness to everything going on. Whatever you're doing, it remains a sakshi. Whether you wake up in the morning, what are you going to do today? Whatever you want to do remains a sakshi. Doesn't tell you what to do. But without it, you can't do anything. One person is successful in life, in business, one is not. They may both work just as hard. The Atman is the same in both of them, but one is successful, one isn't. The Atman is the same. Atman is the Lord of all beings. This is another term used in the Sastras. Atman is the Lord of all beings. So the metaphor given here is Atman plays the same role in all of us, just like electricity plays in gadgets, just like petrol plays the role in a car. Petrol allows the car to move, but petrol is not responsible for how or where it moves to. Is that right, Vinita? It's like, uh, it's, like yes. it's like the batteries. You use batteries for remote controls. You use it for car toys. It doesn't specify what it's for. It does its job. It doesn't matter what you put it in. It's the same thing. Yeah, and nothing can work without the battery. One car may have a crash. The other reaches safely to its destination. Either way, we can't blame petrol. Petrol remains a witness, a sakshi. Petrol is neutral, just like the self. We can say petrol is the lord of all cars. The source for all cars to function. That's another way of describing it. This is how the self behaves and works within us. Any questions, any clarifications? So are we all clear how the self Atman functions in us. So it's very important to understand this. Um, Benita, paragraph two, please. Remember, Atman beings begins uh, in, sorry, remember Atman is in beings is like petrol, which is in the prime source of all movements in cars. It can therefore be considered the Lord of all cars. Yet petrol has nothing to do with motion, nor with the result of the motion. It does not determine the car's destination, nor does it have any interest in it. So too, Atman does not choose action, nor does it actually perform any action, nor does it have any relation to the fruit of action. Thank you. So it has nothing to do with the result of the action. So then how are, what do beings function on? Why are they all different? Mm -hmm. What makes them all different? Yeah, Vanita? 
we all function based on our desires, uh, on vasanas. Your vasanas. So beings fun function based on their vas vasanas. This creates their nature. So the self is the same in everyone, but it's the vasanas that are different in everyone, which makes them everyone different, it makes everyone behave differently. Everyone has a different nature that manifests. Therefore, all beings behave differently. Is that clear? Ravi, is that clear? Not God, not Brahman, not the self, not the Atman. The Vasanas creates the person's nature. One person is strong, can lift 100 kilograms. Another person is weak, can't even lift 20 kilograms. Different nature, different body, different physical body. Person can run 100 meters in 10 seconds. Never it takes double that time. Fastness manifest as their nature. One person spends their whole life helping others. Mother Teresa helping others, helping all the children in. Uh, where, where was it? Calcutta. Started orphanages. Spend a whole life doing that. Another spend, person spends their time destroying others. Hitler, Putin, what's they doing now? Many others in history. Destroying people. I was watching uh, Gladiator, you've all seen that. And uh, Russell Crowe, he asks the emperor, we've taken Germania, Germany, what shall we take next? And the emperor says, I think we've covered everything, we've taken everything. There's nothing left for us to take. <laughs> so everyone's nature is different. What's happening right now? Putin is destroying Ukraine, but the other countries are helping Ukraine. Different nature. Vasnas. Everyone's Vasna is different. It manifests in each person differently. Any questions? Okay. So let's go. I'm going to just cover the last. Comparison. We can say Vasnas is like car with different engines. It's the different engines that makes the cars different. A Ferrari has a different nature than a Fiat or a Rolls Royce, correct? Ferrari is loud and fast, has a big engine. You can feel all the bumps, you can feel the the exhilarance, acceleration, you can feel all that. A Rolls Royce has a big engine also, but it's smooth and quiet. You may have a, even a bigger engine than a Ferrari, but it's smooth and quiet. A, fi a Fiat is not so loud, it's slow, has a small, weak engine. Different nature, based on their different engines. But the petrol is the same in all of them. So Atman is the same in all beings, neutral. 
but it's the vasanas is what makes everyone different. Vasanas manifest themselves helplessly. Any questions? So that's the difference between Atman and Vasanas. So I don't know if it's a relevant question for now, but um, if we're thinking about cause and effect, mm. um, this bit, but, but nature manifests itself. Mm. Is it Vasanas that cause my cause and effect, or is it my cause and effect that cause my Vasanas? Or is it both? My nature. So who wants to answer that? What's she asking? What's Sel asking? If we're thinking about cause and effect, mm -hmm. does my action that I'm doing mm -hmm. now, mm -hmm. its cause, mm -hmm. affect my vasana? Mm -hmm. Or is it that because I've got certain vasana, I'm behaving in a certain way, mm. so therefore it's my vasana that's propelling me, mm. or is it the cause and effect that I've put in the past mm. that is propelling, or is it both? Anyone understand, can answer, help Sil understand better? Yeah, Anna Bin. I just want to attempt at answering this because I think I've been thinking a lot about this in the sense that the whole purpose of being on this goal is to become self-realized. So I think we're on that cycle of now the knowledge and the awareness is there that our actions are and everything that we do affects our karmas, which mm -hmm. is going to affect what we what is given to or what we will have in our next life. Mm -hmm. or in this life as well. We have, it's, that's the cause and the effect. So therefore it does, um, you know, it, it's like a circular thing. It, uh, so it, it, that becomes our vasanas. Today our actions become our vasanas and that becomes our karma for the next thing. So that's why it's circular. So I think it's both. Both, Ronabin says both. Thank you, Ronabin. Anybody else? Yeah, Vanita. Your cause and effect is your karma. So if you've done good things, you are here today in this place reading this book, right? So that's your cause and effect from your past life, right? But if you're saying that it will affect your vasanas, if this book is helping or this what knowledge we're gaining is helping you to understand, then it's reducing your vasanas. So you have to have done something good to be here and also this knowledge is helping you reduce your vasana. So it's reducing the, I would say, reducing a cause and effect for it to be positive, not negative. That's the way I see it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Does that answer your question, Sue? Yeah, but, you know, we're a combination, right? So, yes, I would say that I am on the spiritual path, but there are hurdles along the way. And, you know, um, I'm not a perfect human being. Mm. I'd love to be, but I'm not. So, you know, although I don't want to act or behave in a certain way or react to certain things, I still do because of the vasanas that I have. So, for example, anger. 
okay? I may not want to get angry, but I do. I reactive. So that's the vasana that is deep within that I have to work on. But is it that my karma has manifested that? So although, yes, I'm in a good place right now to have this knowledge and stuff, it, it, it's because I must have had a vasana for it to, to come across it and put in the right cause and effect for me to have the fruit of this action. Mm. So it's a combination, I'd say. It's both then, is that right? It's a chicken and egg kind of situation. See, the last line I read was, vasanas manifest themselves helplessly. Yeah. You can't help it. You get angry, you said you can't control it. Yeah. It happens helplessly. Vasanas manifest themselves. Where did the vasanas come from? Your past actions. So your past actions creates the vasanas that manifest helplessly right now. Yes, hand in hand. Hand in hand. Absolutely. Both go together. One minute, Shlomo. So all you can do is identify those negative vasanas that is disturbing you and then put effort to work on them. That's how you can deal with them. They will manifest themselves helplessly. You can't control it. As you said, you can't control it. It can happen just like that. Then you may regret it. Why did it happen? So all you can do is be aware, use the spiritual knowledge that you learn. My vasna is such, I don't want to be an angry person. I want to be able to control it. And then it teaches you how to do that. So you concentrate on that, on that topic itself until you've conquered it. Shilavan. Uh, answering to her question, and obviously Arun, uh, Vanita and Aruna was correct as well. I feel mm. that, yes, we have bent our previous karma. We're using that karma up. Knowing the knowledge now, we are lessening our vasanas, desires, and hopefully our action you know, next life or whatever, it could be better. But dealing with anger, it's, we must remember that we are also dealing with other people's desires and vastness around us that makes us mm. flip. But after we flip and we become aware, yeah. just ask forgiveness to say, I, I did that wrong action in an impulse. I do understand it was incorrect. Mm. And uh, ask for forgiveness. Yeah, from yourself. Yeah. Yeah, from yourself. Be aware of it. Yeah. Because it agitates you. Yeah, only you're dealing with the effects of it. No one else is suffering. So who's 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 it creating problems for yourself? Manita. The thing is, this journey is only for yourself. It's mm -hmm. not with anybody else. So you right. have to put that in perspective as well. What are you doing then if everything is going to be based on your karma, based on your vasanas? Who are you doing everything for? You have to think about that as well, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are people with the journey on you, with, with you in the journey, but those people have their own journey. Absolutely. See, the thing is, this knowledge is supposed to bring you peace and happiness. Yeah. If anything creates mental agitation, you're far from peace and happiness. 
you're unhappy, yeah? you're not peaceful, your mind is agitated. So work on whatever agitates your mind initially. Forget about the spiritual part. Just work on the basics. Because you want to be happy. You want to be peaceful. Anything that agitates or takes you away from that, work on that first. Forget the spiritual path. Then you're more mindful, more peaceful, more happy. You can then concentrate on the uh, knowledge and then develop your personality, develop on the path, walk that path. Yeah. But the, the knowledge keeps you in line. The knowledge keeps you in line between what's good and what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. Helps you to identify that. Stick to the path. Helps you to stay on the path. So it's a guidance. How to live life. So the result is peace and happiness. Forget about the spiritual development side. How to live life so you're peaceful and happy. This is what we're learning. And when that effect happens, you have more, you have more confidence in the subject. Then you say, right, let me see if I can get to the goal. Let me see if I can get to self-realization. First, concentrate on the being happy and peaceful. When you're not, that's the area you need to work on. Is that okay? Does that make sense? So small steps. You have anger issues, work on that. Forget about self-realization, just work on that. Any clarification? Just now, Ben, make sense? Good. And we're dealing with whatever issues you're individually have. We don't need to know that. Whatever you're dealing with, you know what's, what it is. Conquer that. Conquer whatever issues you're having. Arjuna is dealing with his own issues. He has to conquer that. Be brave, get confidence, fight. He's dealing with his own issues. Next to him, our issues are minuscule. Isn't it? Huh? What he has to do and what we have to do is minuscule. So think of that. Yeah, Arunabhin. Now, I was just thinking about what uh, Sheila said about, you know, we should ask forgiveness when we realize we've made a, um, we've got angry. But I think we also have to bear in mind that if we always get into situations, and it's a really, really tough ask, but if mm. we always get into situations and we're always asking for forgiveness, we are creating that vasana that always, you know, we, the vasana that says, ask forgiveness and we'll, we'll be able to manage that situation that way. In fact, it should be the other way around. I think where we actually, like you said, we work, become aware and then keep working on it so that that happens less and less and less. That's all you can do. Yeah, not creating those parts now. Yeah. Yeah, Nilam, from the car. <laughs> can I just say though, I, I mean, I agree with everything that's been said, but I also think that you know, when you become aware and you start taking responsibility for how we behave, yeah. it, it, it can be a challenging path to tread. 
So there's two elements. So one, I think we should have compassion for ourselves because we are human beings. Yes, we know the truth, but the reality is we're still in a human body and we're working on all these things. And I think the other thing is what I've started doing is rather than seeing all these things as obstacles, I see them as a gift. I see that life is presenting me with things that are showing me where I need to work. And actually, mm. so it's just a tiny little um, different way of thinking about it. But I find it more empowering to think of it like that, even though I still have challenges anyway. No, absolutely. Um, you know, we all have our ways of dealing with it. You know, but the fact is that we want to deal with it. Most people don't want to deal with it. They don't think it's an issue. Okay. And they just said, this is how I am. Accept me how I am. Yeah. But the fact that you recognize it and you want to deal with it, um, you're being objective to your own personality. Most people can't do that. You're becoming aware of your personality, my negativities, my flaws. Everyone thinks they're perfect. You see? And that in itself is the first hurdle. Once you can start doing that, you know, your ego stops you from doing that. Just because you might have a bank balance or live in a big house or whatever you think you're perfect because you made it in life. It's not about that. It's improving yourself. Anyway, great topic. Thanks for asking. No, no, not at all. It's something that we need to, uh, you know, these are practical uh, lessons. You know, I can go on about spiritual things and it may, you know, some registers, something doesn't register, but these things are practical. And I think it's important for us to discuss these things. Yeah. So recognize your flaws. Anything that makes you agitated or unhappy, deal with that. Okay, verse 15. Uh, did you finish? Did you read the last paragraph? Linda, can you read the last paragraph? Yes, got carried away. Having explained Yeah, third paragraph. Having explained. Having explained the neutrality of neutrality of Atman, the verse states that one's own nature manifests manifests in its itself. Each being has a distinct and different nature. A tiger is ferocious and destructive. A lamb is passive and gentle. Human beings range from being totally destructive to being perfectly gentle. Beings manifest according to their basic nature. Drawing drawing a parallel to horsepower in a car. The horsepower manifests differently in each car, depending on the engine design. A powerful engine runs with great power and speed. One with a weak engine can give only a poor performance, but the same petrol in the prime source of, is, is the prime source of their performance. Similarly, the nature of beings and their material equipments are different. No Atman, not Atman. Atman is neither powerful nor weak. It is neutral. It is one and the same in all beings. Thank you. Atman is the same. It's the external mind, intellect, vasanas, physical body, all that is different. Just like a car. Every car looks different. Every car behaves differently. One has two seats. One has four seats. One is convertible. One isn't. Different body, different mind, different intellect. Yeah, Benita. 
I think it's our ego that sees how you look in a perspective of whether you're thin, fat, whether you're tall, slim. It's the it's the ego that causes that that stops you from realize realizing anything else, isn't it? Because we yeah. perceive and are and the way we society is constructed where we criticize one another because we're in a race to be better than one another. We don't realize really if we knew that we all look the same inside, then we wouldn't behave like that. And that's the veil that we don't see, isn't it? Absolutely. This is why this knowledge is so important because it tells you who you really, really, really are, which is the self, the Atman, Brahman, and not this person you see in the mirror. Once you understand that, that's it. You're self-realized. And that's the barriers. Your physical body, mind, intellect, which equates to the ego. Dilute your ego. Extinguish your ego. That's what the spiritual path teaches you how to do. You're not the body, mind, intellect. You're the self. We keep saying that, but that's what it means. Verse 15. Nadate kasya chit papam, Nacheva sukratam vibahu, Ajnane navratam yanam, Tenamu yanti jantavaha, Nadate kasya chit papam, Nacheva sukratam vibahu, Ajnane navratam yanam, the Lord accepts neither the sin nor even the virtue of anyone. Knowledge is veiled by ignorance. Beings are thereby deluded. The Lord accepts neither the sin nor even the virtue of anyone. Knowledge is veiled by ignorance. Beings are thereby deluded. Who's reading verse 15? Is it Hema? Yeah. Could you read the first paragraph, please? The Lord Prabhu of the preceding verse is the same as the one all-pervading reality, Vibhu, in this verse. The supreme reality, Brahman, is the very substratum of all activities, whether sinful or virtuous. Yet Brahman has neither sin nor virtue. In this sense, Brahman is like a screen in a movie theatre. The projection falls on the substratum, on the substratum, the screen. Though the base of all movies, the screen has nothing to do with what is projected on it. There may be a great conflagration or a torrential flood shown on the screen, but the screen gets neither burnt nor wet. It remains always unaffected by whatever takes place on it. So true, Brahman remains immaculate. It is the primeval source of all activities, but even but ever untainted by the nature and quality. Thank you, Hema. So Prabhu, Prabhu, Vibhu, just different names of Brahman. Whatever you want to call Brahman, it's up to you. If it reminds you of that, it doesn't matter. 
long as you're thinking of the self in whichever way you want to, whatever name you want to give it, it's irrelevant. Whatever you feel comfortable with. Just for ease of remember, you say, oh, Prabhu, why did you do this to me? Doesn't matter what you say. So what, what this verse is saying is, what is the world made up of? Pairs of opposites. This is the nature of the world. Everything is pairs of opposites. If someone says, what is this world? You say, this world is pairs of opposites. It's made of time, space, and causation. Time, space, and causation. We're not going to go into it. Cause and effect. That's what this world is made of. They're saying, similarly to the last verse, without Brahman, Atman, no action is possible, whether good or bad. But Atman is not responsible for the kind of action. It may be virtuous, it may be sinful, good, bad. These are worldly qualities. Good and bad is pairs of opposites, worldly quality. They are part of the world, pairs of opposites. Atman, Brahman is beyond the pairs of opposites. This is what we're saying. Beyond the pairs of opposites that define the world, Atman is transcendental. You know, we say that, uh, transcendental. We say Atman, Brahman, God is in heaven. Yeah, Heaven is beyond the world. Does that make sense? It's hard to understand because we live in the world. We're conditioned by the world. It's saying God is beyond that. We have to live by the rules of the world. Pairs of opposites. We're affected by it. Brahman isn't. Time, space, causation, cause and effect. We're affected by it. Brahman isn't. Why? We live in the world. Brahman is beyond the world. See, we're on earth. Another way of looking at this. We're on earth. Yeah. How big is the planet Earth compared to the solar system? You've all seen the maps of the solar system. Yeah. When you expand out and out beyond, the, uh, beyond this planet, we're a speck of dust in the whole solar system, yeah? Correct? Is everyone with me? Brahman is beyond that. To give you some perspective, we're living on that speck, 7 billion people. And we're only covering 30% of the, of the planet Earth. The rest is water. So we're minuscule. Brahman is beyond all of that, to give you some idea. We can't fathom it. We can't understand it. We can't visualize it, but just to give you some idea. Beyond the pairs of opposites. He's saying Atman is like the movie screen. We go to the cinema. The screen is white, various size. Without the screen, no movies. You can't watch any, of the mo any movie on it. Without the screen. 
if they project it, it doesn't look right. No movie is possible without the screen, the white screen. You can say the screen is the base of all movies, correct? But it's not responsible to the kind of movie that is projected on it. It's a love story, tragedy, comedy, thriller, horror movie. Saying if there's a fire in the movie, the screen does not burn. If there's a movie about the ocean, the screen does not get wet. The screen is unaffected by what is shown on it. Yeah, does everyone understand that? Similarly, Brahman is not responsible for any action in the world, no matter what kind of quality of action we perform. Brahman is not affected by it. But without the white screen, no movie can be projected. Similarly, without Brahman, no action is possible. So many different ways of explaining this because it's so difficult for us to understand. Any questions? The role of Brahman. Paragraph two, Emma. Devoid of this knowledge, the ignorant are deluded. They superimpose the nature and qualities of actions upon the immaculate Brahman. They make God responsible for everything. When anything good happens, they thank God for his benevolence. When they meet with anything bad, they consider it a punishment by God. Thus, the ignorant attribute good and evil to Brahman. They do not realize that Brahman has absolutely no attributes. All attributes, all qualities belong only to the world. There you go. See, this ignorant person doesn't understand the role of God in their life. They don't understand the role of God in the world. They're confused. They don't understand. This is really important, this verse, these last two verses, for us to understand. They're confused, the role of God. They think that God, Brahman, is responsible for the good and bad that happens to a person. Oh, God, why did you punish me? They praise God. Thank you, God, for helping my son pass the exam, my daughter to get married, helping me to get better for my illness. Or when something bad happens, they say, God is punishing me for the bad things I have done. Brahman has no such qualities, it's saying. It's neutral. Neutral in all that happens in our life, all that happens in the world. So who's responsible then for everything that happens? Think about this hard. So you all should know the answer. Think hard. Who is responsible for everything that happens? Don't shout all at once. Ravi, who's responsible? Don't say my wife, yeah? <laughs> yeah, that as well. Now, we, we were all responsible. It's our own. It's, it's us, isn't it, at the end of the day? So, from this verse, take responsibility. Anything and everything that's happening to me is my fault. Take responsibility for that. 
not God's fault. It's easy to put the blame. Not your partner's fault either, by the way, yeah? Deepa? Not my friend's fault, yeah? <laughs> you eat unhealthy food every day. You get ill. Who's responsible? Your actions cause and effect. Sure, the doctor will give you medicine to get rid of that illness. But the fault is yours. We talk about global warming. Who's responsible for global warming? Society. There's no global warming 100 years ago. Collective of human beings, they're responsible for everything that goes on in this planet. Who's responsible for World War II? The Nazi party, Hitler. Whatever goes on in the world is down to us human beings, not God. This is the movie we're playing on that white screen, whatever we're doing right now. And the reason is, anybody know why the reason is? What's the reason? Why is it our fault? I know we've covered vastness and nature and everything, but there's one thing that we haven't covered. Why is it our fault? Is it because we have free will? Well done. Absolutely. Because we humans have free will. And that's what makes us different from all other animals. We have free will. Well done, Neelam. We have a choice. To do or not to do? That is the question, as Shakespeare said. That's free will. And that's why it's awful. Any questions? Yeah, Ernaman. Just for clarity, is the Brahman that is referred to here, is that the same as the self in all of us? Yeah, just different terminology. Yeah. yeah. In different books, they might say Prabhu. Some spiritual books might say Vibhu. And some it might say in the in um, Bible, it says God, Father in heaven. It's just a different terminology for that same energy, that same electricity, that same battery. Just different terminology. Okay, we want to do verse 16. I think we've covered a lot. So we've got five minutes. If there's any clarifications or if anybody has any doubts in anything, please. We have an open floor. Yeah, so. So is it because we're in the world that we only recognize Brahman with attributes? Mm. Um, somebody who's self-realized recognizes Brahman with no attributes. Mm. But because we're in the world, we'll only recognize Brahman with attributes. 
Okay, anybody would like to answer that? Because are we, is it because we're in the world, we identify Brahman with attributes, qualities. Another word for attributes is qualities. So qualities like, for example, when I pray, yeah. right? I do pray every morning, I do a puja. So I am praying to a God, okay? I'm praying to a God with attributes, obviously, because um, if Brahman is beyond the world and I'm not able to recognize, then I shouldn't be praying. I should be just having knowledge about how to get self-realized, right? Yeah. So therefore, I'm praying to a God with attributes that I think is compassionate, all-pervading, um, sorry, not, not um, compassionate, um, forgiving. Mm. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Is that not because that's what we've been conditioned to mm -hmm. understand um, God with attributes? As we said, you know, the idols, the various gods is allowing us, I mean, they were originally there to allow us to focus on the self and the supreme um, in all directions. It's the rituals, as you said, the puja and that, that is all through conditioning. Yeah, it is, you know, obviously if you're born into a Hindu family, you follow Hindu condition, you know, um, cultural religion, which is man-made. So it's all about, I mean, coming across this knowledge now, as, as I think I said quite a few times, you know, had, these knowledge was available in India many years ago, you know, it would have been different, you know, perception as we've moved along. We wouldn't be doing a lot more ritualistic stuff to a certain degree. But why with attributes are we able to pray? We relate to it, don't we? We're in the material world. So that's how we understand it. That's our intake, if I'm correct in saying that. Benita, you wanted to say something? I think, I don't know my personal opinion, I think because we're selfish, because we want our God to what, forgive us, because we want the, we, we, we perceive that if we do bad things and we pray, then those things will go away. So it's our selfish nature that allows us to think in that manner. If we were told that God is just watching, he's not going to judge you, then I think you would behave very, very differently. So I think you have to think, what, what do you want when you pray? What are you asking for? Because if you're asking for something, it's for yourself. You're not asking for somebody else. I, I don't know. That's the way I see it. Okay. Maybe it's different for different people. I don't know. I think um, when we started, you said that, you know, Bhakti also has a, role to play like devotion and surely uh, at the stage that we now at if you are praying we could be praying for the wonder of it all and the gratitude you know so the attributes could change is what i'm saying where before we thought the attributes were to ask for forgiveness we now realize that actually it's our own doing you know our own we have that responsibility for everything that happens to us i think you could still pray and also, you know, for the gratitude of it all, for the wonder, like how you, you know, just mm. I think you look at nature and things like that. So you could attribute God like that as well. Mm. For me, I think I, I would like to pray like that. Linda? Mm. Well, it, I think it depends on if you're saying thank you for the air I breathe, then you're basing that on a very different level to 
saying, uh, please help, forgive me for uh, my wrongdoings. It's a very different mindset. It is a tool where you, you're praying to an idol, which gives you some kind of, I suppose, um, it gives you faith in something. <coughs> also a tool to get you higher into a different mindset. But it depends on what you're allowing your attribution based on, isn't it? Hmm. If that makes sense. So the thing is, one, it depends on your development, where you are on your spiritual path. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with praying. There's nothing wrong with doing puja. Uh, you know, I keep saying, where are your thoughts? So your thoughts can be on God, on Brahman, while you're doing the puja, while you're in that room praying. That moment in time, you're thinking of the higher God. So it's fine. But if you're able to do that while you're in the garden looking at a rose, if you're able to do that walking the street, looking at the sunshine, same thing. So where are you spiritually? How spiritually developed are you? I remember when I used to do puja prayers, it didn't mean nothing to me. There's no devotion. It was just a physical um, a thing that I did with no meaning to me. Yeah. Only when I came across this knowledge, I had acknowledgement of God. It's different for different people. When I read the Gita in the morning, I'm thinking of Brahman. And I'm preparing for this class, I'm thinking of Brahman. And that then allows me to look around and say, everything is Brahman. So it depends on where you are spiritually. But whatever makes you think of Brahman higher, it's fine. All depends on your personality. So there's nothing wrong as long as. Your thoughts are on the higher. Where are your thoughts? That's all that matters. Where are your thoughts? So don't judge yourself or anyone because whatever activity makes you think of that higher, that's it. That's all that matters. But try to expand it so that in your daily life, everything makes you think of that. And now you're developing spiritually. Your partner's angry, you're thinking of Brahman. When you get to that level, you're mate, you're done. You're there. <laughs> Just knowing. True development. A long way to go then. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's all have a nice, lovely weekend. There's no class next weekend because I'm away, uh, in fact, I'm away a few times in the next six weeks, but next Sunday I'm not here, so listen to a lecture, listen to a class, study, use that time. Don't think there's no class, okay, what shall I do, party, where shall I go? Try and use that time to uh, think of Brahman. Yeah. Okay, have a nice weekend. <laughs>